The FAQ doesn't even say where it is. Now we're on? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society. Nothing but facts. Live stream. NBF 98. This is the 98th episode of Nothing But Facts. We thank all of the patrons who have been helping out with this. If you want to be part of this and get some hasanat. You can become a pay, uh, go to patreon.com and out with this if you want to be part of support. If you do not want to get hasanat and you do not want to support and you just want to benefit without uh, any giving back, then don't go to patreon.com backslash Safina Society and don't become a patron. Okay. Uh, we thank all the patrons that have uh, helped us out. We thank Noah Johannes, who uh, is from... Um, Ohio, and he's one of the original Habashis. He's a Habashi, right? An Ethiopian. He, he originally ranks from the original Christians, and his family converted into Islam. Mashallah. And he may be from the descendants of a Najashi himself. You never know. Everyone wants to claim descendants from somebody. Yesterday we talked about those who want to claim descendants from Genghis Khan, right? <laughs> Which, in fact, they were insulting themselves. Okay, because Genghis Khan went around him and his sons raping everybody left and right. And um, so there's no fakhr there. But there would be fakhr if you were related to a Najashi, yeah. whom the Prophet ﷺ praised, and he prayed it upon what's called Salatul Ghaib, which is the janazah in absentia. Now, how did he do that? Because Sayyidina Jibreel informed him. And Najashi is a Muslim. And Najashi himself... First of all, that's a title, by the way. Najashi is just a title. Just like Bahira is Rahib, Rahib al-Bahira or Rahib al-Buhaira, the monk next to the lake. So it's not actually his name. So and Najashi, the Negus of uh, uh, Ethiopia, of Habasha, he's the Christian king, and he was a just king whose justice reached the uh, reputation in Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ said, go to them go to this Najashi because he's a just king. When he died, or when he received the message and heard the Qur'an, he believed in it. Knew it was the truth. But he couldn't also risk revolution. Why? Like some people say, oh no, he just become Muslim and suffer whatever. What if other people are going to suffer? You're allowed to hide your iman to save your life or other people's lives. And he was saving the lives of the Sahaba. Right? He was saving the lives of the Sahaba. Therefore, when he became Muslim, what he said was, what do you all believe? They said, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, I believe this. And in his pocket, he's pointing to himself, they think he's pointing to I. But in his pocket was, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So in front of, this is called Tawriyah. When you say something that you know the meaning of, of while others think you're talking about something else. So that's called tawriya. And it's makru, uh, it's discouraged. Unless there's a valid reason. And there's more than a valid reason. He's saving the lives of the Sahaba. Because they were angry. The Ethiopians, the elite didn't want them. The bishops, they did not want the Sahaba there. Threatening their religion. So 
he was saving their lives. And he did Tawriya in a place where it was acceptable, fully acceptable. He had written in his shirt pocket, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So he said, I believe in this. And they thought he's saying I, pointing to I, but he's actually pointing to his pocket. So there, uh, Sayyidina Jibreel informed the Prophet ﷺ, make janazah upon him for he is a Muslim. From this, we have actually a nice fiqhi ikhtilaf, fiqhi question. The Malikiyah say, if somebody dies, and uh, you can tell us what the Ahnaf say, if somebody dies, he is preyed upon by his, his town and those who, who bury him, and that's it. Why? Otherwise, we'd be doing janazah all day. And we would have to be favoring people. If Salat al-Ghaib was mashru'ah, first of all, the Prophet never did it. Except in this case. Many Muslims died everywhere. They died in may have died in Mecca. They may have died somewhere else. In Medina, the Prophet never did Salat al-Ghaib like this constantly. Salat al-Ghaib means janazah in absentia. So the Malikiyah say, the Salah on the Najashi was because he had no Muslim to pray upon him. That's it. That's why. And that will never happen again. Why will that never happen again? Because the first people who hear about the death, the nearest people pray upon the person. So if a Muslim dies out somewhere in a desert, the first people to learn about that and to discover that, they pray upon him and that's it. Nobody else. Otherwise, if we have, if, if the prayer in absentia is accepted, then we would have to almost be selective. So if you come say, oh, listen, hey, my mom died in Pakistan, please make janazah upon her. Okay, let's do that. All right, my mom died in Afghanistan. My mom. And then sometimes I remember someone saying, well, well Sheikh so-and-so died, can we play Salat al-Ghaib on him? That's, you're going to have favoritism. And you're going to hurt people. Because we're not going to have Salat al-Ghaib all day. So that's the first thing. The Shafi'iyah, however, they took from this, from this one incident, that Salat al-Ghaib is mashru'ah. And it can be done for anybody because it is fi maqam al-du'a. It's like a dua. Right? So they actually have accepted that. And I've seen the Shafi'i did it. And when the Shafi'i did it, I did it with them. Right? Because it's one of those matters where I, when you're with a group of people, I didn't want to just separate myself. So I did the Salat al-Ghaib with them. Because they're having a... They're, of course, Imam Shafi'i is a valid mujtahid. Uh, there's no discussion on that. So do they have Salat al-Ghaib? Hanafi school, no. Just like ours, method, yeah. right? It's, it's from the khasais of the Prophet Yes. See, see, the Shafi'iyah say there's no, nothing called khasais in nubuwa Khasais in nubuwa is something specific to the Prophet They say no. Everything the Prophet came with is sharia for all of us. We say, no, there is khasais in nubuwa And that's one of them. Something that came to him about his marriages. The number. The number of marriages that he had. Armor, that's specific for the Prophet The armor after, uh, during a battle. Right? Yeah. Take a, he said uh, after the some of the, uh, a prophet the prophet yeah. when a prophet puts his armor on he doesn't yeah he said when a prophet yeah but we can do that for example we announce a war to somebody and then they say hold on let's discuss this let's have a meeting we could take the in fact Sahaba did that did not say Ali pull back the swords from the war with Muawiyah the Syrians let's just say the Syrians right the war with the Syrians right to save the lives of Muslims. The yeah. prophets are also buried where they pass away. The prophets are buried moved. where they pass away. They cannot be moved. A Muslim can be moved. The prophets do not inherit wealth. We can inherit wealth. Like leave wealth as inheritance. Um, 
there are many the prophets can do wusal as-sawm wusal as-sawm means fasting two days or more in a row never breaking your fast that means maghrib comes and goes and you don't break your fast and you don't have suhoor you go straight Sayyidina Musa 40 days in a row Allah fed him nourished his body the Prophet said likewise the prophets can do this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nourishes me there are many things that the Anbiya have so the concept of khasa'is and nubuwa it's a strong concept things specific only to prophets this is why uh, people should not be saying oh the prophets are just like us yeah in the sense of denying their excellent uh, status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them yeah and uh, the prophets uh, where the Prophet ﷺ did get upset, he, the Prophet ﷺ did get upset, when a Sahabi came in, asked, can I kiss my wife in fasting? Right? The Prophet ﷺ was mentioned, oh, the question was actually from a woman, Sahabiya, to say Aisha. Mm. And the Prophet is overhearing. She said, yes, it's permitted, and... Um, she said, I saw the Prophet kissing his wives. She didn't say kissing me because that's not Adab, right? Sayyidina Aisha's wording is, I saw the Prophet, he kissed his family in fasting. That's the, the Adab of that is that he didn't, she didn't say his wife, his family, right? It's like to keep it more general. When you ask about somebody in, the, in Arabic, you don't say, how's your wife? This is something that is from the Adab and the Akhlaq of Muslims that we don't do, right? You say, how's your family? Keep it general. What's your business to ask about someone else's wife? It's like, in, in Western culture, it's a thing, right? They'll even ask her, like, about her by her first name. How's Susan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, in these cultures, when, when they come over, they'll give a kiss on the cheek <laughs> to the wife, right? So, uh, other guy's wife. So we have our own culture about that related to the haya of how we discuss. So you, maximum, you say, um. Ahmed, and if you have nothing, if you don't know her kunya, Umm Abdullah, right? Umm Abdullah, because there will be somebody that she's a mother figure to, and that person is a slave of Allah. So Umm Abdullah is general for anybody. That was a kunya of Sayyidah Aisha, even though she didn't have children. Yeah, she didn't have children. She's Umm Abdullah, and she's Umm Al-Mu'mini, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you don't even ask about them. What were we saying about this? How do we get to that? You ask generally about a person's family you don't mention. Oh, yes. So this Sahabiya, the Sayyidah Aisha said, the Prophet ﷺ kissed his family in Ramadan. Uh, Then the man came, and the man said, yes, but that's the Prophet, right? And the Prophet heard that, and he said, and did I not come except to make law sunnah for all of you? So there is an aspect where Khasai Sunnabu must have evidence that is specifically to the Prophet, so that nobody goes around and keeps saying, oh, that's the Prophet, that's for the Prophet, that's for the Prophet. Right? So when someone, and this happens. Many people who have a little bit of a loose mind and they don't want to really practice their deen, and don't we all have, unfortunately, a relative like that somewhere, right? Where you say, oh, this is actually the son of the Prophet. You say, oh, that's the Prophet. Are you the Prophet? You ever see this logic? Be very careful of the shaitan's logic. We need a book. Mantiq al-Shaytan. Tablis Tablis. is just like that, right? Say Ibn Jawzi. The Ja'faris, or the, uh, I think it's one Shia group, but they, like in their tafsir of uh, Surah Al-A'raf, yeah. they say the, because they have a problem with Qiyas, I think. So uh-huh. they said the first person who used Qiyas was Iblis. Was Iblis, yeah. yeah. We say the first person who misused Qiyas was Iblis. There's a big difference, right? Same when 
Malik and Abu Hanifa and Shafi, all of them said kalam is haram. What they meant is the kalam of the Mu'tazila, mm-hmm. not the kalam of Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari, who athbata al-athar. Not Sunni kalam. Yeah, not Sunni kalam, which establishes everything in our aqidah first, then organizes it, right? So uh, that's the kalam that had become permissible, right? Not only permissible, it can be fard, as you shared earlier today, Sayyidina Imam Ibn al-Jawzi al-Hanbali, Ibn al-Jawzi, he said that we leave the doubtful matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I shouldn't say doubtful matters, we leave mutashabihat to, to Allah, you leave it to Allah, it's something you don't understand in religion, okay, it means what Allah wants it to mean, it's Imam al-Shafi said, or as Imam Ahmad said, we recite and that's the tafsir of it, we just recite it and move on, most hearts are fine like that, until someone comes and puts a doubt in your mind about this question, and we're living in a highly um, rational age of skepticism, doubts, and questions. Then Ibn al-Jawzi says, at that point, ta'wil is fard upon you, because that's the medicine of your aqidah. That's the medicine of your heart. Ibn al-Jawzi said this. Uh, the book you said was called? You cited the book, just in case. Uh, no, the, the the book for this one was different. Mm-hmm. What was it? Y- you cited Forgot. it. Yeah, it's in your it's in the Is chat. It, uh, even Josie has a book uh, refuting the rod uh, and the. I'll get you what the book is called right now. Here, they where did you post post it? Yeah, I think uh, they they we also say a tafweed aslam what ta'wil ahkam ahkam yes. So tafweed is safer, mm-hmm. or you know, but ta'wil is more. Uh, Either wiser or yeah. it cuts the matter. Yeah, it cuts the matter. It cuts it ends the matter. It's more decisive. It's, it's more, decisive. Yeah, completely because decisive. Because there will be points where people, like you said, that tafweed is not enough. It's they can't go to sleep until they 100%. you know know. Okay, what what could it mean? What could it hundred percent? So you need to give them that medicine. I personally speaking was uh, the book is called Al Mawaid Wal Majadis. Oh, okay. All right, page eleven. I don't know which publication, but page eleven. But I was one of those youth. Which is why I'm very attached to Ayn al-Kalam. If, there is a que- if there's any matter, I'm not unique to this, many people are like this. Otherwise, Kalam wouldn't have existed. From all history, people are like this. If there's a mas'ala in my head that doesn't have a crisp and clear answer to it, you can't really move on. You know, like you can't move on. I remember I was shared a room with Sheikh Yahya. This is not really personal, so I can tell you this story. And me and we have a lot of commonalities. And I was watching him, how he's organizing his little uh, nightstand. And I'm organizing my nightstand when we arrive for Hajj. <laughs> right? And were you with us on that Hajj trip? Or is it Harun? Oh, it was Harun. I was with us. My cousin went with you guys. Which one? Adam. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm organizing. He's organizing. I'm all done organizing. He's still doing something. Right? And... He has certain things that he puts on his nightstand that have to be on his nightstand. And he's sitting, going around in circles. I said, what's going on? He said, I couldn't find this. I said, oh, you're, do you need it tonight? He said, no, but it's the principle of it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like one little thing on his night. You know, like everyone's got their nightstand. I got my nightstand, right? Certain things have to be within while I'm, my eyes are shut. I need them on my nightstand. Everyone's like this, I think. And he was like this too. I was like, well, do you need it tonight? It's like two in the morning. Right, we just finished Umrah, and we want to sleep, and we probably have talks next day. So, can we just sleep? 
<laughs> he's like, I got to put this on my nightstand because it's the principle of it. So certain things have to be in order. Likewise, in your mind, they have to be in order, right? In your mind, they have to be in order. So certain masail related to qada, qadr, aqidah. Like I can't sleep. I can't continue life without an answer to this. Have to have an answer to this. So many people say, many people are not like that. They can live with gray. They can live with a lot of fuzzy gray areas, right? I can live with a gray area if I know I'm eventually going to get to it. Like this is right now hanging in the middle. Like what the quantum physicists say, it's in both worlds, right? It's like one or the other. We don't know yet. It's, it's hanging there. I'm going to get to it, but just I can't get to it right now. Some people live their whole lives like this, right? And your life will get more and more smooth like a smooth lake, like a lake that doesn't move. The more you answer all these questions and you leave no gray areas in life. And this is why, let's zoom out. Forget not talking about the mutashabihats for a second. Let's just talk about general life. Why the sharia is so important. Because a sharia, it actually answers humongous questions for people and doesn't even allow a doubt. And I'm talking about big issues like who's my, who are my parents? Is my dad my real dad? Can, I, cannot ima- I can't imagine. I don't think anyone here that lives a Muslim life can imagine like that level of a doubt, that kind of a doubt. Forget doubts in theology. This is doubts in your existence. And we have people, because of the culture of zina and there's no law and there, all this stuff, people with that level of doubt where people don't know who their parents are. Right? Or how about a guy? He doesn't know if his wife is cheating on him. Or a woman. I don't know if my husband's cheating. How could you exist with that? Right? How could you exist with that? So, as a general theme to this, the like general lesson out of this quote, is that certain things, if you want to live peacefully, remove these grays from life. Right? And some things can be gray that are so minor. They could just say... Right, it could be both ways. It doesn't make a difference. Either way, it's not going to hurt you. Let me read you the quote from Ibn al-Jawzi al-Hanbali, and I hope someone could clip this out and make it a clip. Send it to us, and we'll put it on YouTube or share it to your friends. It's a beautiful quote from Ibn al-Jawzi al-Hanbali from his book Al-Mawa'idh wal-Majalis. If you're able to negate tashbih outwardly and inwardly. In other words, purify your aqidah from imagining that Allah Ta'ala is like an object in the universe as many, many religionists, Christians, Jews, and Muslims have fallen into this. Okay? Um, all of the Yahud, all of them, 100% of those who still believe in God, they are upon this. And 100% of the Christians are upon this. There's not a single munazzi amongst the two. One of them is telling you directly he's sitting, he's, he's He's Jesus, right? He's come in the form of a man. And, uh, and they draw him on the Sistine Chapel. What's wrong with you people? The Sistine Chapel. They draw him, right? Putting his finger to Adam like this. Okay? Or as the ignorant of the Italians call it, the 16th Chapel. Okay? <laughs> well, what's the result? It's dead religions. They're all atheists. Most of the Jews are atheists. You know that, right? They're like the atheism to them is widespread, and it doesn't take you out of Judaism. But believing in Christ does take you out of Judaism. Go figure. 
If you're able to purify your heart from this tashbih, terrific. But if you cannot cleanse yourself from the shirk of tashbih because your mind keeps racing, like what does this verse actually mean? I need to know. Okay. And you want to arrive at pure tawheed and tanzih. You cannot do that except through the interpretations of ta'wil. Right? The ta'wil of whom? The sahaba and the salaf, not your own ta'wil. Because you don't have the qualifications to make ta'wil, nor would have probably anybody in the last thousand years we would trust their ta'wilat. Ta'wilat is sahaba with salaf. Yes, sahaba had ta'wilat. Ibn Mas'ud had ta- uh, Ibn Abbas had many ta'wilat. Okay? Say 92. He said then ta'wil is better than tashbih. So if we're between taf- uh, 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 tanzi, tanzi is removing these thoughts, and tashbih is having these bad thoughts about Allah, then ta'wil interpretation is safer and better, right? Tashbih is a sickness. To imagine your Lord and your, the creator of the universe is something like this, some object within the universe, okay, is an illness. Ta'wil, interpreting these verses properly, is the cure. If the disease isn't diagnosed, then the cure isn't required. Like if you don't have the disease, then you don't need ta'wil. That's why you go to all the farmlands of the Muslims, and people praying and fasting for 60 years, okay, and you say something about Ibn al-Karami, doesn't know what you're talking about, right? He doesn't have the disease. Likewise, you tell him something like, um, you know, uh, people in America go to therapists. He doesn't know what a therapist is because you have mental disorders in those countries, right? You go to, go, go to your great-grandma and tell her, great-grandma, you ever hear of therapy? She'll be like, what are you talking about therapy? What's therapy? It's like, because if you're depressed, what's depressed, right? <laughs> they don't have certain sicknesses that the city folk might have. Okay, so that's a little uh, entry. And all of that little discussion went back to a Najashi, was rooted back in Najashi, and rooted back that Noah Yohannes may in fact be from the descendants of a Najashi. Okay, all right. So um, now let's get to our topic of today. We're going to read as we usually read from Shema'il al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And my brother's on the right. I'm joined by Sheikh Murad Uthman, who's going to be your ARC view, Aqeedah teacher next semester, starting September 18th, bi'idnillah. And I'm also joined by Suhaib. Suhaib from Arkansas. Colorado, sorry. No, you got it right the first time. Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas, then he lived in Colorado, and now he's, uh, uh, well, you are a resident of New Jersey, at least, right, at this, at this point in time. So you guys can feel free to chip in at any time. Likewise, Ryan, if you got your mic on, feel free to chip in at any time. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Babu ma jaa fi sifati nawmi rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Haddathana Muhammad ibn al-Muthanna. Haddathana Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi. Haddathana Israel an Abi Ishaq an Abdullah ibn Yazid. عن البراء بن عازب براء بن عازب one of the great sahaba أن النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم كان إذا أخذ مضجعه وضع كفه اليمنى تحت خده الأيمن وقال ربي قني عذابك يوم تبعث عبادك the prophet صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم used to say and give a translation here Ibn Azib said, when the Prophet would sleep, 
he would put his he would sleep on his right side. He would his chest would face the qibla, and he would put his right hand under his right cheek, and he would say, "Rabbi, qini adabaka yawma tabathu ibadak." Protect me from your punishment on the day that you resurrect your slaves. Okay. And this is also a similar hadith related to Ibn Mas'ud. And there were many uh, adayah that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite that he was already protected from. Is he already not protected? Every Nabi is protected from Allah's wrath. It is impossible, sharan, that a Prophet go to Jannah. Right? It's impossible. Nor be punished. Why? Because they're masu in the first place. But the Prophet ﷺ teaches us how to express humility and seek forgiveness. Okay, How to uh, seek forgiveness and have humility by making istighfar constantly and seeking refuge. Some people, they say, well, I just love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't fear the fire and I don't fear paradise. This is just a false claim. If it is the case, if you're not worried about that fire, come give me your hand. So let me start putting it on fire now. In the dunya, it's much less of a fire, right? If you are so courageous, right? And give me all your wealth. So let me abuse you. The abuse you're going to get from me is 1%. Less than 0.001% of a moment in Jahannam. So you're a liar, right? You are afraid of pain. Nobody on the earth is not afraid of pain and does not desire and yearn for ni'am. Of Allah. And all of this is your love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you're realizing who is protecting you and who's giving you. So fadl of Allah, the, the bounty, the word fadl means the extra stuff you don't need, right? The extra stuff in life. If you want it, not realizing it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's likely to be a distraction that's bad for me, for you. But if you realize it's from Allah ta'ala, He's the giver. And this will only increase me in shukr and mahabba, love and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. Then seeking it and having it can even be good for you. Let Forget that it's not bad for you. It can be good for you. It can be a source of shukr for you. Say, Nadi, one time he took a cold drink. And his son, Hassan, said, i never seen you drinking a cold drink before. Like, say, Nadi, from the, the old times, the way of zuhud for the old times, right? is that they only drink room temperature water because it was actually hard to get cold water in the old days, especially cold juice uh, of a fruit. So he said, I want to bring the shukr out of my heart. When you want to get gratitude out of your heart, enjoy some of the blessing of Allah Ta'ala that He gave you in this earth. Right? Enjoy some of it so that the shukr can come out of you. So from that perspective... Seeking protection and seeking the good things of the world is not bad for you when you realize who it's from. So it is mustahab, the mustahabat of this hadith, mustakhraja min al hadith, that we extract from this hadith, is that it is recommended to sleep with your chest facing the qibla and on your right side. Now what else is this? This is the burial position. The Prophet ﷺ said, sleep is the little brother of death. Okay? It's just like death, except that your soul is connected by a thread to your body, so you're not dead yet. Okay? A human heart is uh, on the left side of the chest, so by sleeping on the right side, 
the heart remains on the top side and will not go into very deep sleep. Because one of the things the Prophet did not like was an extremely deep sleep. So when you sleep on your left side, your heart settles and you could fall into a very deep sleep. Of course, a person will move around. You must move around when you sleep because otherwise your blood flow would be uh, disrupted, would be solidified. So you need to constantly move around. And Allah says in Surah Al-Kaf, وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ right? We move them so that their blood can continue to flow. And that's one of the proofs that they didn't die and were resurrected. They state, when you, if, you're, if, they, if the people of the cave, the youth of the cave died and were resurrected, you don't need to flip them around. Okay? So they didn't die and were resurrected. They were asleep. So once you, you intend to sleep on your right side, and if by uh, the nature of sleep you end up moving around, then la Okay, but the Prophet did not like the, the heavy deep sleep. Okay. Some physicians have said that it is good to sleep on the left side because in deep sleep food digests better. But there is a harm in that too. The heart will be at the bottom, the whole weight of the body is near towards the heart, and this will affect it. Okay. And Allah knows best about all uh, all of that uh, medical uh, talk. Okay. But by putting a little pressure on it, they, they say, the you know, old physicians, they say that when you sleep on your left side, you're putting a little bit of pressure, and if this amounts throughout your life, disease can be created by the pressure. Allah knows best about that. There's a lot of things from old medicine, right, that they're nice wisdoms, but I don't know if I can't tell you if it's correct or not. Okay. So that's the idea here of sleeping on the right side and the prophet would put his right hand on uh, on his right side and he would ha- he had a fiber a, a piece of leather filled with fibers palm fibers so there's two types of palm trees there's one that releases dates and that one that doesn't so if if you ever see the one that releases dates it's very fibrous it's like a hairy tree and it's thick if you see the palm trees like of California or the Caribbean, they don't release dates. They're just, it's a skinny and a very clean and crisp trunk. So the Arabian palm tree releases dates and it's thick, fibrous. So they take the fibers and they make use of those fibers. The Caribbean and like a Californian palm tree is a smooth trunk and it's nice and skinny. It's beautiful. It's like something you would just put out there um, you know, for ornamentation. So they used to take the hairs of the fiber of the tree, they take leathers from a goat or a sheep, or a camel even, and they would fill it, and that's how they used to make mattresses in the old times. So it's thin. The Prophet used to, uh, one time, he had a very deep sleep, and he slept through his tahajjud. So he woke up and said, what happened to the mattress? And he was told, oh, I folded it for you. It was one of the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, one of the mothers of the believers or the wives of the Prophet said, I saw you were tired, so I folded it for you so it would be softer. He said, oh, that caused me to have a deeper sleep and missed a hajjud. So the Prophet said, just keep it flattened. And that's what he would sleep on. Yeah. So if anyone wants to have a prophetic uh, mattress, the way you do it is you get pieces of leather, fill it with palm fibers, sew that all together, and that's what you sleep on. Because there are some people who, who do that. Like, for example, we know what the sands of the Prophet look like. 
they'll get it sewn like Habib Omar got one made exactly like that. Okay. And he could do that. We should actually like have that stuff. We should have prophetic things because people have replicas of stuff all the time. You go to someone's house, oh, there's a replica, little replica of like a, <laughs> like a 1975 Pontiac or something like that. Or, so you love it, right? So that's it. We're not saying it's Ibadah and Deen. You want to say that's all Bidah? Fine. It's not Ibadah and Deen. It's just this is what I love. You collect baseball cards. You collect something else. This is what we are into. Next hadith. حدثنا سفيان عن عبد الملك بن عمير نس سنة جوس حذيفة ابن اليمان كان النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم إذا أوى إلى فراشه قال when the prophet would go to his bed he would say اللهم بإسمك أموت وأحيا or I don't know why they put a hamza here بإسمك أموت وأحيا right they put a hamza here in this copy I don't know if that's huh hamza الوصل yeah yeah. Bismika Amutu Wahya. you know the in the Maghribis the Hamzat al Wasl is a big yellow dot on top. I mean don't pronounce it. Move on. Alhamdulillah Ladi Ahyana Bada Amatana Badama Amatana wa Ilehin Nushur. When the Prophet will wake up, Alhamdulillah Ladi Ahyani Badi Amatani wa Ilehin Nushur. That's your dua when you wake up. Um and when he would sleep, Allahumma bismika amutu ahya. In your name, I die and wake up. So, so the words here, and then death here, what does he mean by death here? That sleep is an example of death. Like we're taking an example, ibra. And if you notice, the seasons are ibra of the general life cycle of a person. And the day is a, is a general life cycle of a person. You wake up, you're full of energy. Okay, you go through the whole day and you never think about the night. Like, if you have a busy day, like the night is something that's not on your mind at all. Then, finally, as the sun starts setting, everyone starts going home. Now, you start thinking about the end of the day. Then, you unwind, you, you wind down your whole day, and the last pe- portion of your day should be very quiet and, and contemplative. Right? And that's actually one of the things that we all got disrupted with because work is now with us 24 hours a day. That's a disruption. The emails and messages. Emails, messages. Like they're, they're sh- it's, it's a very healthy habit. I can't preach to everyone to do it every time. I don't do it myself. But I, I try to do this. And when I do, like the next day is great. Around 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, what is the need for me to be doing anything? Like there has to be a time and a place for everything. So this stuff should be, there should be a wall put up. I'm done with everything. Right? I'm not looking at the phone again. I might look at it for another reason, but not for serious work, right? So that you literally shut your mind down and you can unwind yourself and you can start contemplating life and existence until you fall asleep. Or you retire for the day. It's a good habit to do. I'm telling you, so much of um, certain basics of Sharia and Sunan of the Prophet are needed for healthy living today that are lost. I remember um, people decrying the light bulbs, read it, reading about people decrying the light bulb, right? That the light bulb, that this is going to destroy us. That's what they were saying about the light bulb back in the day. And uh, we're not anti-technology. A Muslim is not anti-technology. 
right? These things exist for a reason. Habib Omar said, every technology that, that exists, exists because Allah allowed it to exist. And it exists for the spread of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So that the, the, the hujjah can be upon it, or, like, or the, the uh, excuse of not knowing about this deen is lifted from everybody. Everyone will get a chance to know about this deen. I recently heard about a sister in Colombia. She became Muslim just from the internet. Never met a Muslim in her life. And if you go to South America, Central and South America, it really is a no man's land for Islam. And any perception they have is bad from the Spanish uh, heritage. The Spanish are from the worst people of hatred towards Islam. Right? I don't know if you guys went to Spain recently. You probably experienced that. You guys went. Right? It's from the old uh, Reconquista era and the, uh, the, the Crusaders. Crusaders are not just the French that went to Jerusalem. The Crusaders are also, they went left or from, to, in Spain and Andalusia. Mm-hmm. And they despise the Muslims. Despise. That's why in Central and South America, that Spanish heritage, it comes in their diet. Everything has pork. I was one time in a, I was one time in a, in a Spanish country. I ordered seafood. That's the only thing that's halal here. Mixed in the seafood, I smell pieces of pork. It's like, wait a second, what is this? There's like, oh, we sliced ham. Even in the seafood, right? I said, forget, I'm not even eating here at all. Right? So the only restaurant I actually ended up feeling really comfortable eating in, I literally said, is there meat in the building? Right? <laughs> meat, all carne, pollo, jamon, right? <laughs> Everything, okay? Is there anything in the building, in your kitchen at all? She said, no, purely fish. Alhamdulillah. So, um, this is the from the heritage of the... Uh, how did we even get to talking about the Spaniards? What were we saying? Um, like habits? I don't know. Yeah, so they're saying that the light bulb... I was, I was saying the, that, that Central and South America, the, the Islam is really just something totally new there. I was saying technology. And there are people who became Muslim, right, that I have heard of just from the internet, nothing else. Right? Can you imagine that? And I know a couple of people just from a book, a book in the library. Became Muslim from a book in the library. Actually, someone we know, okay, I, I, he's not going to mind Elias. Because he said this on the podcast once before publicly, so I can repeat it. He became Muslim, funny. He became Muslim from a pamphlet. A pamphlet. And guess what? It was a Shia pamphlet. <laughs> so he reads the first... Now, this is his own saying. He's like, he did not know any of Islam. So he reads the first page about Allah. About the Prophet about the Quran, about the previous prophets, about the prayer and fasting and zakah. So he's like, I'm a Muslim. I believe this. The last page is about the imamate, you know, like their doctrine of imamate. And he's like, oh, this is nonsense. <laughs> he said, as a non Muslim kid, teenager, a teenager, not like a law student, a historian, no, a teenager. He was like, yeah, this is all right. This stuff I don't believe in. <laughs> yeah. He said, purely by fitrah, just by his fitrah. He's like, okay, because all this stuff is like universal. It makes sense. It, it's it's yeah. acceptable. But now you have all these names. What? What is this? Right? And he just ripped that. As a non he didn't even know what the word Sunni and Shia meant. Okay, next. 
كان صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم تروى تروي السيدة عائشة إذا أوى إلى فراشه كل ليلة every night when the prophet would come to his bed جمع كفيه فنفث فيهما he would recite إخلاص فلق الناس in his hands then blow in them and then okay rub all over his body and this is a form of ruqya and a form of safety okay ثُمَّ مَسَحَ بِهِمَا مَسْتَطَاعَ مِنْ جَسْدِي What he's able to of his body. It's not like every single inch, just a general rubbing of his body. يَبْدَأُ بِهِمَا رَأْسَهُ He begins with his head and then his face and then the front of his and then whatever he can of that and he do that three times. Okay? So that is a type of self-ruqya you can do. Many people don't realize ruqya is simpler than you think. Okay? And the ruqya is not by the sophistication of the words. Long prayers. People think you gotta, if the guy's reciting in like Syriac, this is the real thing. No. It's not about that. It's about your i'tiqad, your iman, your belief that this ruqya works. Okay? I'm not even kidding you. Many people have told me they were so sick, nothing was working, and they just did a salah at اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم 300 times and they found cures and one of them said I was saying this, this Salat Tibbiyah this is a beautiful story he told me I was really I had some issues I was saying the Salat Tibbiyah in the back of my mind said I believe in this but I don't know how like physically what happens I say this dua what, how is this going to cure me right he didn't know. Then as he's saying the dua, he's like overhearing a conversation. As he's saying this dhikr. And he remembers, he had a skin problem. He remembers somebody saying that the skin is an organ. An organ needs moisture. Right? To be healthy. So he said, oh, why don't I douse my skin in like one of the oils that he had? And he did that. And he said, very shortly thereafter, I started feeling great. So then he woke up next day, and then he realized, hold on a second, the salawat leads you to your cure. Right? So, like, where did that inspiration come from? Where did the memory, where did the memory of that conversation, he remembered a conversation, someone said, the... Uh, skin is an organ, and the organ really needs moisture, right? Like oils. And in the old days, they used to use fats and oils of animals and plants and other things. All right, so the, the dhikr will open the door for you of a material, physical cure. Okay? And it is also possible that there will not be no middleman, direct. It's also possible. Why? Because it's not even direct. It's, it's, we believe that sakina is a cure. Sakina is a substance. And when you look at the tafsir, some people say the sakina is the nur of Allah. It's nur. Nur is a creation of Allah, right? Nur comes down. And sakina is the result. Other people say, and all this it doesn't make a difference because it's, it's the same result. Other people say sakina is a separate creation than nur. 
Other people say, no, it's all one, and the nur is malaika, is the rubbing of malaika, or the inspiration of malaika, or the presence of malaika. For us, kullu wahad. It's all the same. It doesn't make a difference, however you want to, because it's all the ghaib, right? Like, whether you tell me that the light is a wave or a ray, particle or a wave, doesn't make a difference. You're going to see either way, right? So it doesn't make a difference. But just to tell you, just to give you an idea, what they really mean that Sakina is in fact highly connected to the presence of angels and the inspiration of angels. And Nur is a physical substance that comes down and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Talinu Juluduhum. Right? Your skin itself softens. Waqulubuhum. And their hearts. So what does he begin with? The skin. And what does he end with? The hearts. But that would include, that means that the nur actually comes into your body. From the outward, the skin, then goes all the way to the heart. That means it goes through the muscles and the bones. And the tissues and the fats and the nerves and everything else. So we actually believe as Muslims, as a religious belief, that there is a substance out there called a nur. And it has the power of healing, of relieving depressions, relieving anxieties, relieving disease. It's a panacea. And giving success, giving you ideas, giving you strength of heart, giving you faith, giving you so much. It's a panacea. Okay? And the experts in this field, there are people who, the, what the whole point of Tasawwuf is expertise in this field. They tell us that they're on water different. There's different types. Just like the rays of light are different. So this light is very different than a laser pointer, right? Which is very different from the laser they use in surgery. You can cut. Which is very different than when I put my thumb drive in and it lights up, that's a transfer of energy, of, of information. This is not transferring. The light bulb right in front of us is not transferring information, right? The light bulb here is different from the light bulb in the computer screen. You ever wonder why the light bulb in your computer screen, it never goes out? You never have to change your, the light in your computer screen? So, as we are in this world, there's different anwar, or lights. Likewise, spiritually, there are so many different types of lights. So, for the beginners, okay, and for common regular people like us, light is light. We take it all. But these uh, specialists, the spiritualists of our ummah, they study these things, and they observe, and they examine, and they come to conclusions. For example, dhikr of la ilaha illallah, they say it's a hot light. It strengthens you. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah gives you more strength. Allahu Akbar gives you heat. It's like a red light. Salah on the Prophet is a cooling light. It constantly cools you down. It smooths you over. Right? You can never overdose on Salah on the Prophet Okay? A Quran is like a multivitamin. Everything is in there. That's why it's the safest. And it cements your iman. Okay? So they, they study that and different names of Allah Ta'ala. The name of Ar-Rahman is different from certain names. You should be very careful how much you say it. Ya Muntaqim, the Avenger. What kind of result will come if you keep saying, Ya Muntaqim, Ya Muntaqim, Ya Muntaqim. You have a story about I was, this? I was listening to Sheikh Abdul Qadir Hussein and he was mentioning this uh, principle. And he said that he was mentioning uh, a name of Allah a certain number of times. And he said he just felt heat. SubhanAllah. Like yeah. just heat, heat, heat. So he said, what did he do? He said he opened the window yeah. to try and cool down. He said nothing was changing anything. SubhanAllah. He said, I opened the window, I did everything. Like the heat was not going away. 
Then eventually he contacted uh, his sheikh and told them what's going on, and the sheikh advised him. Decrease so from that to, name. Yeah, to decrease from the name and to do something Subhanallah. else. Subhanallah. But he mentioned, yeah, the heat. He's like, I opened the window, nothing was shaking. Yeah. Is so this, uh, I, I do know um, a similar experience with them. Um, what's the, the salah? Uh, like they, they call it the, like the fiery salah. Like and nariya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same thing. It's like immediately, like if you say that after like 10 times, you'd be like, I know why they call it salah. Yeah. Nariya, you know. Has heat. Yeah, yeah. Um, these the, the, these asma, they all have different powers. That's why some of the ulama say that if, if people wanted to come bring down a ruler, for example, or a tyrant, or an oppressor, if they had a march, and they recited, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakeel, and that's it. Not down with the oppressor. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. What are you going to benefit from that, right? <laughs> but if they went and said, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakeel, oh, that would be, ex- the complete government collapse if they were strong, sincere, and they persisted in it, and they had a large number of people doing it for a long amount of time, something massive is going to happen, Right? And so, because Hasbunallah and Amr al has that power. There was a, a story about a woman. She was being bullied. And many uh, family structures have it in the subcontinent that the woman lives, she moves in with her husband. And she lives with the mother-in-law. Right? And the mother-in-law was really grouchy towards her. And would give her assignments. Fold this basket. Iron this basket of laundry. She's like, it's not even like my family's laundry, right? And she would have to do it. And of course, the son, he doesn't want to get involved between his mom and his daughter, and his wife. It's haraj, right? It's like, you're, you're losing either way. So, she'd have baskets of the family's laundry, not her husband's only, not even his, like her, her mother-in-law, like the sisters, the brothers. Why am I doing this? So she came upon, you know, when you're so people, some people are so depressed, right? And they have moments of actual spirituality where they start turning to Allah. And today's world, people turn to Allah on YouTube. People, that's not like a good or bad thing. It's, it's a reality. I'm saying this as an observation. And they, she types in YouTube, how can I get Allah to help me? She comes upon video after video. One video, she says, a dhikr of hasbunallah wa that's where she learned, right? And she said, okay, this is easy. She starts saying, Hasbi Allah wa na'mal wakil, okay, while she's ironing. She said she was so depressed. This was the only relief that she would ever get, is by constantly. Every time she'd think about her, her, her trouble, she kept saying, Hasbi Allah wa na'mal wakil, Hasbi Allah wa na'mal wakil, Hasbi Allah wa na'mal wakil. She kept saying it. She said, within two weeks, the mom died. The mother died, right? SubhanAllah, right? So she's like, uh, am I guilty of murder? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I know. Uh, we say the dhikr of Allah never li- is never a source of evil. Yeah. Like we're not, this is not sihr where you're trying to yeah. do evil. So it's qada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. I know uh, someone uh, who told me that, uh, he, he told us, he went on uh, hajj and yeah. Arafah. And uh, there was a guy who really, really oppressed him, like really, really did him bad. Like, uh, you know, that warranted the person to make dua against him. Yeah. So he said he made dua against the person on uh, Yom Al-Arafah and he said the man died a couple days later. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And to show you what's qada of Allah, it doesn't always end that way. There was a man whose uh, daughter, he, he married his daughter off to a guy. The guy was extremely abusive to his daughter. He would hit his daughter. 
right? And she would cry. And, and this man was extremely from a, like a powerful family. They were not from a powerful family in, in Saudi Arabia. And he couldn't do anything. The father would like talk nicely, just try to calm the guy down, brush him off, right? Because one's from the elites, one's from a weak family. So he went to a sheikh and he really like complained. He said, the sheikh said, I can't get involved in your family business. But I can tell you something that never fails. Go with your family, pack your wife up. You and your wife, pack your bags. Thursday at Maghrib, drive to Mecca al-Mukarramah. Of course, put your ihram on at the Miqat and drive to Mecca al-Mukarramah. Make Umrah. Anytime between Maghrib and Fajr. And then stay in your place after the Umrah and make dua until Adhan al-Fajr. Tadarru' ilallah. They did that. Okay. When they got home, same day after Salat al-Fajr, they got home, they found on the hotel phone, back in the old days you could leave messages for people. Right? Three missed. Like, like three messages okay three messages and they were like oh again he's hitting her again right when they picked up the phone it was the man he said please call me it's an emergency he's like she died right they're like they're like thinking all the worst possible things he finally they got and he said and they got him on the phone the guy's crying he said I'm calling to ask your forgiveness and I'm here giving you testimony I'm asking your daughter from forgiveness for what I've done, right? And I've had a change of heart, right? So it doesn't always end that someone's going to end up dead, yeah. <laughs> right? Your enemy may change. Yeah. You never know who's good and who's bad, in fact, right? So um, that's an amazing... Uh, these, these stories of Dua are just amazing, subhanAllah. You can recite them and should remember them all the time and constant repeat. Repetition is how you get educated. Don't ever imagine that discovery equals education. Discovery is only the first level of education. If you really want something, education is it seeps inside of you so deeply that it's part of you without you realizing it. It's called that's really education. So you discover a story once, you got to repeat it over and over and over until it becomes part of you. Uh, Sayyidina Ibn Abbas Of course Ibn Abbas His mother His aunt Is who? Maymuna Sayyidina Maymuna Umm al-Mu'mineen That's his aunt So he's allowed To see her without hijab So what does that allow him to do? Sleep over her house So he used to sleep over Her house When the Prophet ﷺ was there And the Prophet used to have this Allow this So that Ibn Abbas could observe And Ibn Abbas Was such a young boy That was observing everything Like a sponge he was a youth, yani. and, uh, and he says, "Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam nama hatta nafaka, wa kana idha nama nafaka, faatahu bilalun faadhanahu bilsalati faqama wa salla wa lam yatawadda." Okay, wa fil hadithi qissa. All right, so this is important hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the, he would. He says here that when the Prophet ﷺ would sleep, he would exhale. Like you would hear him exhaling. Nafakha, meaning that he would, he would exhale. It's not a loud snore. Why? Because a loud snore is not becoming. It's something we all make fun of, right? 
the Prophet ﷺ did not have a loud snore, but he would exhale to the point you know he's sleeping. Then he got up, he woke up, and he prayed, and he did not make wudu. And in this story is a detailed incident. It is unique. Here we talk again. Khasa'is <laughs> al-Nubuwa. Okay? Khasa'is al-Nubuwa is that the Prophet's wudu is not invalidated by sleep. And in the Maliki Madhab, it is not invalidated by light sleep, long or short. But if it's long, then it's recommended to make wudu, not obligatory. In the other Madhab, I believe the Hanafis, it is. If you sleep lying down on your yes, sides, yes, it's, it's not about light or heavy. Sitting or lying it's down. It's about sitting or lying down. Shafi'iya, Hanabila, and Ahnaf are the same. So the Maliki are unique in this. It is not about the position in the Maliki method of the sleep. It's about the heaviness or the lightness. Okay. So, the, this is Khasa'is and Nabuwa. Okay. And that's the reason. Why? The Prophet wasallam said, our hearts sleep, our eyes sleep, but our hearts do not sleep. And the dreams of Prophets, another Khasa'is and Nabuwa. All dreams of Prophets are wahi. They have nothing from shaitan. They never get a dream from shaitan. They never get a dream from their nafs. We, for example, if a bad thing happened to a person, right? Let's say they fell off of a hill or they had a car accident. For the next year, that person may be dreaming of car accidents because his mind is occupied by that idea, okay? If he loves somebody so much, he may dream of himself married to them, okay? It's all from your nafs, all right? Uh, If you go somewhere where there are shayateen, you go somewhere like there are parts in New York City filled with shayateen, and that shaitan got bothered because you were there, he may come and upset you in your sleep. Right? That's what happens. Happened to me many times. I go to New York City, you pass by a certain area of town, like, oh, this is terrible. What am I doing here? You leave, right? Or sometimes you're passing through, walking. So you're there for an extended period of time. You go home that night. This happened to me when I was young. Not too young, but younger. And I dreamt of attacks. Shaitan's attacking me. So I said, Shaykh, what, what is that? He said, you, maybe you went somewhere last night and those shayateen were bothered that a Muslim was there. And they're coming and avenging you. Right? So it means nothing. But it's, re- it's real, but it, just, it's, it means nothing. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't have to worry about it. Your awrad will protect you. That's why we have to say awrad. So prophets never get such dreams. Okay? They never get such dreams. So... Um, that's why the Prophet said them. Uh, why did he do that then? If that's not the way for his ummah. Because it's from the ni'am of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gave prophets. Right? So you have to uh, use or benefit from the blessings Allah gave you every once in a while. So the Prophet in private benefited from this blessing, waking up, making salah right away, not making wudu. And we, but we know what the sharia is on this. Next hadith. An Anas ibn Malik anna Rasul Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana idha awa ila firashihi qal when the Prophet would go to his bed he would say Alhamdulillah alladhi at'amana wa saqana wa kafana wa awana fakam mimman la kafiya lahu wa la mu'wi What does this mean? So 
the first thing that we see here is that the Prophet ﷺ has different ad'iyah that he said all the time. So that it was not necessarily just one that he said. Neither was Ibn Abbas with him all the time. Nor was Sayyidah Aisha with him all the time when he slept. Nor was Anas. So they all heard different ad'iyah. Okay? That the Prophet used to say. So in this dua it says, praise be to Allah. He gave us food, drink, and provided us with a place of rest. Okay? And how many people has he not given food, drink, or place of rest? Why, why are there people who are poor and suffering in the world? There will always be a, peop, a certain group of people in that maqam, poor, suffering, so that others can be generous. Others can be thankful. Others can, be, can see the blessing that they have. So the existence of some people who are suffering, it helps everybody else. Because it will elicit out of the rich some generosity, some desire to help. And that will actually decrease the number of poor in the world. Okay, so if there's a rich person who never sees a poor person, he's going to spend his money on himself. But if a rich person comes upon and sees a terrible situation, he'll be inspired to alleviate poverty from people. He won't be able to eat his steak and sleep on his mattress without a feeling of like, I need to help people. And so just by witnessing one poor person, he ends up removing poverty from a hundred, right? by the permission of Allah. So that's uh, the wisdom. And Allah also says, some people, they're Marxists in this world. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has an ayah about this. Is that for those whom Allah blesses, He will never remove your blessing from you, even if you tried. Like there are some people who say, uh, no, we want everything equal. No, you won't make it equal. Allah has blessed you. You're not running away from... In the same way that you're not running away from your trials, you're not running away from your blessing. Right? Allah tells us, you are, you're not going to alter this. فَهُمْ فِيهِ سَوَاءَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes these people and says, they want everyone to be 100% equal. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen like that. Don't, you don't have to try to be equal. If Allah blessed you, enjoy your blessing. Just remove, try to remove others from the harms of poverty. But you're not going to all be equal. We don't have an equal society. We'll never have an equal society. What, in, what is ever equal? Right? Things are not equal. Things are always a little bit different. That's the spice of life and that's the beauty of variety. So our, our philosophy in terms of poverty is you try to remove people out of the hardship of poverty. We don't shoot for all equality. That you have to have the same income as me, you have to have the same... That's just ridiculous. Okay, it's absurd. But we try to remove each other from the harms of poverty. That's it. It is reported in another hadith to whom poverty reaches and that person asks the people for rescue from starvation. That person's needs are not fulfilled. What does he mean by that? He means if he believes that the source of salvation is going to come from the people. That's the type of begging that is madhmum, blameworthy begging. But if you're in the maqam that you're so poor, but you believe that the rizq is from Allah, then asking somebody is, is harmless. Right. Next hadith and the last one we have here, Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu narrates, if the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made an early journey break in the last portion of the night, okay, traveling in the nighttime was their habit because um, 
they used to, uh, it would be cooler at night. So if he took a break early in the night, he would sleep on his right side. If he stayed, if he was staying there until before the morning, he lifted his arm, put his head on it, and slept. Okay, so he would sleep on his arm. Oftentimes they would travel, or you don't, you don't sleep with stuff. You, you don't have stuff. You travel, you don't have your mattress, you don't have your pillow, so you use his arm as his pillow. Good. All right, let's uh, stop here and take your comments and questions on this great topic. All right. We have Yusuf Chuck joining us here. Shoaib Q5. Okay. Sadia Q. Hassani. Yes. Tabansum. Tabansum, maybe. Nashra. Rana. Dot Azim. Qasim. Okay. DJM. Jannah. Different people here. Nimra. All right. Put your questions here. We're not going to scroll up. If you have a question, bring it here. Uh, put it here. We're not going to scroll up. Uh, Khala White says, In Denmark, pregnant women are recommended to sleep on their left side. I don't know what the basis of it is. Why? So that the kid could be Ashab al That's what they want, right? So I don't know what the, uh, their wisdom is, but I'm sleeping on my right side. Okay, what else we have? Uh, Saiku again says, how does one skin fast? It's a strange phrasing. I, I, there is no way that your skin fasts. Okay. He fell asleep if you answered it yesterday, sorry. Yes, we were answered that. Your skin doesn't fast, but your nose fasts. How? It's makru, from the Madiki, I don't know about the Ahnaf, to sniff nice scents of food, like coffee beans, perfume, food. It's makru to do that while fasting, because it's from the ladhat, of the shahwat. It doesn't affect the fast for us. It doesn't affect the fast, but is it makru? I don't, uh, not that I know. Okay. I, never, I, read, I read this mas'ala, but it didn't say it was makru. It didn't say it's it makru in it the Hanafi. It says it's allowed in the Hanafi madhab. Yeah. Who else? Please make dua for my cat. This is the mango slicer again. <laughs> oh, boy. Mango Slicer, how old are you? And where are you from? I like I liked that we have youth and kids. So make to offer his cat. Is, is it wrong to make to offer a cat? Of course not, because the cat is, affects the owner of the cat, right? Sadness of the owner of the cat. So it's like making to offer him. Maddox says, in the Hanafi school, if you sleep while sitting, is your wudu broken? If you sleep sitting with your rear end, Firmly grounded, no. With not affect your wudu. Okay, you all heard that? With your rear end firmly, like on a plane, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I right? In a chair, in a plane, for example. Yeah. Remember when we were coming back from uh, Mabra, and like, it was every single person was sleeping on this plane, <laughs> and I woke, I woke you up, and I, was, and like, I was like, there's only one hour left, and you were like, what? Like, you slept for like 11 hours straight, and we'll do it. Whoa, again. subhanAllah. <laughs> we'll do it straight attack. SubhanAllah. <laughs> I, did that, I did that on the plane back from Jordan. Hibernated. Yeah, just like, Allah. Listen to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nahl, Wallahu faddala ba'dakum ala ba'd. Fir-rizq. Allah has preferred some of you over others. Fir-rizq. Okay? Fir-rizq. Ra-muraqqa. Faman ladhina fuddilu biradi rizqihim. Okay? Ala ma malakat aymanuhum fahum fihi sawa'a. You are not 
You will not, okay, by any means, give all your wealth to those who control, who you control, who you have a, a control over, so that you're equal. Hmm? Are you denying the gift Allah gave you? Okay. The verse, you could say it in two ways. For the stingy, Allah is saying, you don't have the ability to do that. Like, you don't have the generosity to do that. But, for those who believe, wrong, on the other extreme now, for those who believe that, oh, I feel guilty, I have money and he doesn't, right? Let's all be equal with this Marxist ethic. Allah has addressed it in the Quran. Are you rejecting Allah's ni'mah? Allah made some people have more than others in everything. And Allah made many factors. Intelligence is a factor. Friends is a factor. Also, hisab is a factor. Don't look at somebody who says, Oh, mashallah, Allah gave him so much. He has so much hisab too. Right? Hisab is part of risk. Hadith says the rich Muslims, the poor Muslims will enter Jannah 500 years old. Yeah. So the, the poor, part of their risk is the ease of their hisab. Okay? That's risk. So don't think risk just ends in the dunya. And just shrink risk down to one factor, money. No, that's not how it works. All right, so remember this ayah from Surah An-Nahl, Surah 16, and that's verse 71. Let's go now to YouTube, see what's going on here. How much do you think the messenger slept, says Dino? Not, not very much, but the Prophet used to sleep a little bit in the beginning of the night. Okay, and a very little bit after his tahajjud before Fajr. Ibn Al-Qayyim uh, says, uh, I forget the name of the book, um, but he says uh, one-third of the night and day. So if you add the Qaylula, it's... Oh, if you add the Qaylula, then it's one-third, which is eight hours. Yeah. Okay, there. Lily says, what's the best dua you can recommend in perceived immediate or potential danger? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen of course is one of them. Why? Because Allah says فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ Immediately Allah answered him. Hiba says Hiba ben Hayda that means she is Tunisian. Right? If your last name is Ben something. Either Tunisian or Jewish. Right? Uh, we want the Safina Society podcast back with Mu'een and the gang. I want to do it too. But we have filled our schedule so much it's unbelievable. This next coming month, we have the ArcView revamp. All of ArcView is going to be revamped and simplified, and there's going to be a user homepage that tells you so much about everything. Okay, Simplified. Google Classroom is going to be gone. All of ArcView Basic and ArcView Scholarship, ArcView Plus, are going to be just one Zoom link for each. Okay, And then all the classes, there's going to be samples, there's going to be a lot of information on the homepage that we're redesigning. That's ArcView. Here, physically, we now have a part-time program for men and women to study with four different teachers. You can study. Aqidah, fiqh, tasawwuf. The classes are going to be here at 367 Somerset in New Brunswick and at MBIC in Laytan. That soon is coming and we have called this uh, uh, 
most people call it a seminary. I don't want to use the word seminary. It just bothers me. Why? It's one of those pet peeves. You ever had an uncle has a pet peeve? Like he doesn't know why it's something bothers him. To me, I just feel like a priest. Right? When you say seminary, I feel like a priest is about to walk out. Right? And secondly, what is the origin of the word seminary? It means the origin of everything. Right? This is also the word for semen. Right? So it seems to, it's just the, the link, I can't break the link in my mind. So we're not using that word. But it is a ma'ad, a place of, of, of learning, right, for us. And we're calling it Darul Fatah. It was named, I asked Habib Omar to give it a name. Murad, you were with me when we recorded that video for Habib Omar. So he's the witness. Then we received the answer. And he made a long dua for us and call it. Well, first we told him it was a masjid. So he's, Samuhu Masjid Al-Fatah, right? But now it's not a masjid, we call it Darul Fatah. Because the last part is what's important, right? And Darul Fatah is uh, the name of this. Safina Society Theological College is the proposed, like, official name. Like, if you need an English name, right, for it, or an official institutional name. Safina Society Seminary, there's too many S's in a row. Two S's is nice. But three in a row? Triple S. Feel like it's a snake, right, or something, right? <laughs> so I didn't feel like, so Theological College... It's a nice name, right? Uh, Divinity School was the other option. But, I don't know. I don't like that. Theology, in Western sense, it just means study of religion. Study of God. When you, isn't taught on Salah also the, the law of God? Everything is the law of God, right? All the deen is a study of Allah's will for us. Okay? That's happening here. So if you are moving to New Jersey, if you are living in New Jersey, anywhere here, you're going to have a lot of stuff because it... It's my classes at MBIC. The classes that are done here by Sheikh Murad, Harun, Sheikh Harun, Sheikh Nisar. At MBIC, there's the hifs. Students have to do hifs with Qari Zahid. Okay. There are sisters teaching the recitation of the Quran too, for sisters only, because they don't want their voice, you know, there's, they want to do that privately. So we have that. So we ha- there's going to be a lot going on. Almost four, what, what was it, Ryan? Four, five, six days a week people could be studying. That's how we want to spend our time. So that's why we haven't really been able to do the, the other podcast. Uga Panda, is it better to do dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim when you have problems with other people? You can do that. Even if it's not with other people. And the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim is Hasmunallahu Namaroki. How long did the Prophet sleep at night? He said between the night sleep and the qailula of the day, he says that Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah said one-third of the day. That's Ibn Qayyim's calculation. Provided that you are not leaning on anything to sleep, if the thing you are leaning on is removed and you were to wake up startled, then it would break. That's Uwais al-Tayyibi saying, mentioning the Hanafi school. No, but there are some Hanafi scholars who say even if you were to sleep with your bottom firmly seated leaning against something, if you were to pull it away, it would not affect. So some Hanafi scholars say yes, if you were leaning against something, let's say I'm sitting. Like the back of a chair. Like the back of a chair. I'm leaning, I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm on the ground sleeping and I'm, I'm like this on the chair. Yeah. If you were to pull that chair, I'd wake up. Yeah. So there are some scholars who say yes, that would invalidate, but there are some like I believe uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghani Al Wunaymi Al Maidani. Okay. He said it's it doesn't it would not affect. It's a difference of opinion. Okay, difference of opinion on that. Hey, uh, so can you turn that 
uh, turn that mic so that the part that has wording on it is what you should talk into. There you go. Yeah. Can we turn trim the beard so that it looks good? Trimming the beard. Uh, it, well, in the Maliki Madhab, you definitely can. Anything that's called a beard is a beard by the society that you live in and the society of Muslims. And it is from the men uh, in an mandub to have a full fist length beard. Okay. As well. Hanafi school? Trimming? Uh, well, usually in the Hanafi school you'll have uh, two statements in relation to the beard uh, being fist length, one being that. Uh, is, it is wajib, it is necessary. But we have that uh, opinion too, by the way. That Not it has to be a fist length. Yeah. Some scholars might say it's sunnah muakida. Um, but as far as taking what is classified as beard in the Hanafi school is that which grows on the, the jaw. The mandible, the jaw, this the part, jaw. yeah. So the, not the, just here, all this, all, all this. Oh, okay, yeah. Not so the cheek, the cheek, no. Okay. So I can take you can take from the cheek, you can take from bottom of the neck because that's not jaw. I right? got you. You can take okay. from the mustache, but what is on the jaw? This is considered beard. I got you. Okay, there you go. I'm learning Hanafi fiqh here. <laughs> Mixing between madhabs by ways of tayyib. Can you describe that? You are allowed to mix between a madhab. First of all, you should take from the lesser opinion of your own madhab. That's the first place you should go to. Mm-hmm. When, when the conclusion of the dominant opinion leads you to something that would endanger normal life, regular everyday living will not be the same anymore. Then you can go to the lesser opinions. If the lesser opinions also have that result, then you may go to another madhab. Why? Because we are a people who did not decide upon our fiqh by, deci- by choosing a conclusion than looking for the method that suits it. And I'm telling you, that is the difference between the type of... I don't want to say modernists, I'm saying the people who do tarfiq. They're mixing around the madhahib, and it's a very common thing among some imams. And they say, well, what's wrong? It's all uh, khair and it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Because you're deciding the conclusion you want. Then you're looking in the method which suits you. So you're not on the, any method. You're not mixing between madhahib here. You are justifying your hawa. Yeah. There's a big difference. Okay. I'll tell you what the mixing of a madhahib is acceptable, 100%. When you take, remove all of what is invalid in all the madhahibs. Yeah. Right? That's the mixing of the madhahibs of uh, a sheikh. Uh, I forgot his name. He's from Sham. Yeah, he mixed between the madahib. The opposite way of the contemporary way people mix between madhabs. So whatever is invalidates wudu, that's how he began. He began from tahara. Whatever invalidates wudu in all the madahib, he acted upon it himself. So that his wudu is valid in all the madahib. And then he would make wudu, all the obligations. He jammed all of them together so that his wudu is valid in all the madahib. And then he went to salah. And then he went to other things. And one time, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. One time, Habib Omar, he prayed behind him. And the man, the imam made sujood al-sahu, where it doesn't belong in the Shafi'i method. And the Habib said to him, with all our respect, can you explain why you did salat al-sujood al-sahu? You didn't do anything wrong. The Shafi'i method. He said, no, in the Hanafi method, 
is this, and I have gathered between all of the madahib so that all my tahara, salah, som, zakah, hajj is valid in all the madahib. That's his mixing of the madhab. His mixing of the madhab jammed his nafs so far, there's no nafs anymore at that point. Obliteration. Okay? It's not even obliteration. We don't, you don't obliterate your nafs. You are your nafs. You perfect your nafs. He still has a nafs. It's perfected. There's nothing wicked from it anymore. Uh, which is not to say that people who don't do that have wickedness. But be very mindful. Why is it that you just, it shouldn't settle in your heart? It should be a feel that there's a problem here. When those people, those brothers say, well, it's valid in the Shafi school. Well, it's valid in the Hanbali school. Okay, let's look at your methodology. Your methodology is you chose the conclusion. Then you went looking for the evidence. Such a methodology can never be passed on as a heritage. You cannot raise a family on that because what your conclusion is is going to be different from another person's conclusion. So you're, you're going to have, so your training, your children should say, hey, listen, hey, well, uh, I want to get an earring and I want to find some medhab somewhere that says that I can get an earring, right? I want to find some code. But you trained him in that. That's your methodology, isn't it? So don't be surprised when you have a splintering. Those groups always splinter because everyone's hawa is different. Can you please give the name of a sheikh for dream interpretation? I only know one in Egypt. One only in Egypt. So I don't know if he speaks Arabic, but he only speaks Arabic. He's a very good man. Sophia, welcome from Belgium. And I think she said she went to Paris for some reason. Assalamu alaikum. Are differences between men and women in following the sunnah of the Prophet only outwardly? Is the question. Are the differences between men and women in following the sunnah of the Prophet only outwardly? The following the sunnah of the wives of the Prophet is following the Prophet in the matters that are gender related. So when a woman follows a Sayyidah Aisha, for example, Sayyidah Fatima, in a matter of deen, they are following the Messenger. Whenever you follow the Sharia in a matter, that you are in fact following the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jumlatan jumlatan means in general right because isn't the Prophet's sunnah is obedience to Allah in general so for example uh, the Prophet was never jailed right but if you're jailed there's a sharia for you certain things are not obligatory for you certain states of your heart are necessary for you right following that is following the Prophet in general are children's toys exempted from imagery and statues? Yes, That's, they are exempted. When we give money away, we trade risk for risk. When we give money away, you are trading one type of risk for another type of risk. Hasanat, forgiveness. Best dua for becoming more capable in general. Uh to become a competent person. What is the dhikr to make to become a competent person? It gives you confidence, not in yourself, but in Allah. See, the, the Western mentality talks about self-confidence. Trust yourself, they say. Yeah, trust yourself. Believe in yourself. But we have actually something better than that. Believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Because if I say to you, trust in yourself, well, you're not going to succeed all the time, right? So let's say you succeed 40% of the time, and then you say, start, oh, let me believe in myself. Now you, you succeed 70% of the time. Well, you're still failing 30% of the time. But if we say, I trust in Allah, then those, that 30% is not failure. 
it's Allah directing me to a different route or correcting me. You're still, you're still not ready yet, right? You're still something missing. So when we transfer this to Allah Ta'ala, we're actually, the, the, what appears as a failure, we don't consider it a failure. Would you recommend Seeker's Guidance? And why wouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> Imam uh, Rabbani. He's a Faraz so, Rabbani is a solid sheikh from Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. I've never seen anything come out of their organization in terms of the classes that they give that are outside of it. I didn't read every single blog post, but I know as a principle they follow the aqidah and fiqh and suluk of Ahl Sunnah. Okay. What's better, sadaqah on Monday and Thursday or sadaqah on Friday? I believe the sadaqah that is faster is better. So if it's Thursday, if it's Friday, then give it on Friday. If it's Tuesday, give it on Tuesday. Why? Because we know the Prophet ﷺ said that the shaitan will come to try to hold your hand from giving sadaqah. He will try to whisper to you promises of poverty. So the correct answer to this is that the best sadaqah is the one you give right away. Suzel, how do women optimize their femininity or nourish their womanhood in the absence of male figures? Especially as they have been compelled to adopt masculine traits to survive in society. Right? There are, there are a lot of examples where a sister, she's got to do what otherwise in the old world or even in the ideal society uh, a man would have done for her, right? And we would say the answer to this is in, cons- in number one, the sharia, following the sharia will protect a person from the alteration of our qualities and our characteristics that are not becoming. Because when we go against the sharia, we're also changing our personality. We're getting affected. Nobody could commit a crime, for example, without their personality getting affected. You become bolder, for example. Um, secondly, Reading stories of the Sahabiyat and the Salaf the, of the women. Read those stories. Have their on their mind. Have them on your mind. Okay, that's that's the advice that I would give. Right, that's the advice that I would give. I would say the same thing for well, masculinity. Some men are they've never been asked to do anything. They've never been asked to lift a heavy load or face danger. So the answer to that is, again, read how the Salaf lived. Okay, how did the Salaf live? What do you need? You need this one. You got it? Regarding snoring, is it a negative thing for a Muslim? No, it's not negative at all, and you can get treatment. If it's really bad, there may be something wrong. You can get that fixed. Adizman, best durud to get something you want? Any salawat. A lot. The best salawat, salawat. If you want something, is to do a lot of salawat. Number Neba. Sorry for repeating this question again, but can we please have the M- yes? It's coming. The uh, MBF on podcast on Spotify. Uh, it's coming. We're basically three steps away from having like seventy episodes loaded. Lily says, "I hope Muna's question, Muna's question, can be answered." Where is that? I missed that. I must have missed that. Let's go back. Even though. Our batteries are, they're coming back. They'll come back. Uh, no. Huh? I've been charging that one for a long time. Here, t- take this. Take this. Charger. Maybe that, that charger is no good. 
Bukhur isn't allowed during fasting hours. That is correct. If you inhale Bukhur in fasting hours, no good. You can use, take the whole thing out and use it for uh, the main camp. Muna says, I work at a clinic and my job, including giving transgender people hormone shots. Go repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Was my money haram? Everything was haram. I felt like it was, but it wasn't sure. Now we make you sure. How do I make this up? Stop doing it. Okay. Wait, I don't know if you can calculate how that money, like how much percentage of your wealth was taken from that deed, but just stop doing that deed. Give some sadaqah. Now you stop doing that deed. I don't know how you're going to stop. You're going to quit? We don't believe in this uh, thing as a religious matter. The secularists could say yes, no, whatever they want to say. We could care less, right? You're discriminating. You're not justifying my... You're not valid. No, we're not validating anything. I don't need to validate you. you have your mom and dad validate you. I, I can't stand this. You're not validating my presence. Why do you need my validation? Right? Well, I don't even know you. And you guilt me for not valid... I don't want to validate you. Right? You don't have to validate me. I expect you not to validate me. And in fact, right now, you're not validating me. You're not validating my belief. Right? That, this, that these operations are unlawful. I can't stand this, uh, uh, you know, when a, a complete stranger comes up to you. Forces you to speak a certain way. Yeah, and, and oh, you're not validating. What in the world? <laughs> You don't know me. What can I do for you? Why would you care if I validate you or not? Right? I, if, 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 I, if I ever went and my parents, and when I was young, ever saw me like trying to seek sympathy or something from somebody else, right? I'd get in trouble. Don't you have a mother and a father? Right? If, if you went and you were at someone's, a friend's house and a guest's house, right? And you said something like, oh, I'm so hungry. We get in trouble for saying that. Because that implies we don't feed you at home. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> we were taught, you go to someone's house, you eat something first. So that you don't go famished. And then you look like you're starving. Yeah. As if we don't feed you at home. <laughs> and when they offer you, pretend you're not even hungry. And they make them like have to give you. That's food. Forget sympathy and validation. Yeah. And by the way, let me let me re, re, uh, uh, you know restate this type of uh, it's a type of aggressive tactic that people make themselves into objects of victimhood on one hand, but actor, but they make themselves like active. Compellers. And on the other hand, yeah. So you're acting on one hand, but as soon as it doesn't work anymore and you hit a wall, you make yourself just the object of victimhood that is being abused. You got to be careful from this. There are true, that you're, what you're doing is you're deluding the true victims. There are true victims in the world. Anyway, why? Why? Muna, did you get me on this tangent? Muna Muhammad, we were all fine. Everyone was in a good mood, and you had to bring up this, uh, this subject, which basically... Uh, pushing my buttons here. Triggered, I guess. I guess I did get triggered. Right? Uh, please, reverse version of it, though. The, ver- the, the right version of it. Uh, please make dua for my mother, who is very 
sick at the moment. Samira Noreen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give her. And I said, Allah If someone was stingy towards a relative with a hygienic product they were in need of, and this leads to a chain of incidents that could have been prevented. How do you make amends? No, you got to make amends somehow by compensating because uh, if you're able to, to help somebody and you don't, then that may be a form of uh, maybe sinfulness for you, if you're capable. Uh, is it okay to use positive affirmations? Allah is going to accept my dua. Yes, uh, the, not only that, because the Prophet commanded us to. Husn Allah. It's husnad ijaba. Pray to Allah while you are certain of the ijaba. How am I going to be certain? Repeat to yourself. Allah hears prayers. Sami'ud dua means he answers the dua. How can we balance so many different beneficial awrad? That's why we take the awrad of the shiyukh. The shiyukh, such as Imam al-Haddad, Imam al-Nawi, they give us awrad and we stick to them. Okay. Let's go. Um, can you thank Sheikh Murad? Jazakallah khairan for the classes. Okay. That's Prince Matthew. I guess he's one of your students in the classes. That's good. Dino says, how much do you think the Prophet ﷺ slept? We answered that one. Okay, we answered a lot of these questions. Oh, because I zoomed up to get Muna's questions, which sent us off on a on a rail there. Okay. Muna says, I'm sorry, but it was depressing me that it made my money haram because uh, you're, you still have a fitra, that's why. She still has a fitra, knows that this is not right. right? And that, that feeling is Allah's speech to us. Some people say, why does God only speak to prophets? And he doesn't speak to us anymore. No, Allah Ta'ala does all the time. All the time. Do you think that it's going to come through an angel that speaks to you? Is not your fitra a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Your fitra, which tells you. Did not the Prophet Sallallahu said, what scratches in your heart, leave it. And what settles... Yeah. What settles in your heart that has, gives you no doubt, do it. Right? This is from Allah. That's why you have to keep, in the same way you got to keep your ears clean so you could listen, you have to even, you keep your heart clean so you can feel. And feeling is a far superior mode of communication than anything else. Allah gives you a assess, a feeling that this is, not, this is right or that's not right. Now, you just have to realize that that is in matters outside of, of fiqh and fatwa and sharia and revelation. Matters or there's no necessarily a, a rule in the Sharia okay, on that. But in this case, the sister, she, she felt something wrong about it. Okay? She felt something wrong about it, so she asked about it. And that feeling makes you, uh, makes you ask. Also, is not all the signs that Allah Ta'ala created every single day another, also His speech for us? Now, when you uh, have wealth like that, sister, let's say, for example, you took a contract, you realize the contract's haram, you, you dispose of that wealth in a way that is for something lowly, such as you can use it for, like, toilet paper. It's not sadaqah, because sadaqah cannot be with haram wealth. Toilet paper, 
right? Diapers, things that are lowly. You could use it for that. And preferably for others. So that you don't have... If, if someone buys you all the diapers for four years for your kids, or two years for your kids, you benefited, right? So you don't want to benefit from that money. So lowly items for other people. So buy diapers and go to the, uh, the fuqara, the masakin, who don't have good diapers and give them. You know that... I, uh, uh, there's a guy named Salim Patel. He runs a charity called Smile in North Jersey. And he did studies and stuff. He came upon that one of the number one reasons for depression amongst women is the absence of diapers. And I was like, what? Diapers? What does this have to do with it? He said, yeah, because the house stinks all the time. It makes them depressed. The house smells so much. And they have choices. Diapers are expensive. Either buy diapers, use up another diaper, or I can get food. Right? So that choice is really... So he said that diapers is one of the biggest uh, things that they donate. Right? So believe it or not. I had someone lie about me recently, says Chief Latif. Is it permissible for me to call them out? You are permitted to make yourself innocent and say it out loud and in public. Chief Latif, who is it? Who? Shockwave the X-Men. He's now Chief Latif. So he's a shocker at one point. Now he's a chief. He's he's an ambitious brother. Right? He's an ambitious brother. Why do you guys have such weird... Because it's summertime. Um, the kids are out. Kids are out. That's what. Right. Oh, he did it because he couldn't make to do the the udhaya. We had a challenge for him to do the udhaya. He couldn't do it, so he has to come on another name now. Uh, Ibrahim Khan, how do you analyze it when you recite Quran for shifa, but you don't get shifa? Then the mechanism of recitation is either weak or insufficient. Weak means the iman is weak, or you didn't do it enough. The dosage, get your dosage right, right? What about the hadith where the Prophet said, leave the beard, as in no trimming? Yes, he said this. Does that mean recommendation or obligation? That's the question. When the Prophet says something like that, in these matters, the ulama just differed and debated, does it mean, and what does leave mean? Leave it, like leave it permanently? Or... Leave it in, so until it's called a beard. So all of that is where the differences have this come This is up. why you need madhabs to understand the hadith. Yeah, this is why you need usuliyin, madhahib, to understand. The right way to do things in the world is to identify your methodology first. Hey, Ryan, do you have that graph, remember? I don't know if you still have it. Yeah. Identify your methodology first. Plug in all the facts. Okay? Plug in all the facts. The slide that's up right now is the reverse, the wrong way to think. Choose a conclusion first, then plug in the facts that you like, downgrade the facts you don't like, and then cook up a methodology to produce that conclusion. Now let's look at the right way to think. The right way to think, decide upon your methodology first, then plug in all the facts. Don't leave anything. Don't leave anything out. Plug in everything into that methodology. And then produce, you get the result. Whatever result you get, you accept it now. That's the way we do things. 
What's the difference between salah and salam on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? As-salah is imdad, istimdad, min ata'illahi illa rasulillah. So salatullah, the salah of Allah upon the Prophet ﷺ is imdad. The madad, what is the word madad? It's a general word for the, the good things that the Prophet has been, that Allah gives to the Messenger. That's the meaning of madad, support, physical, spiritual, everything. Barakah, rahma, huda, everything good to the Messenger ﷺ. That's the meaning of Allah's salawat on the Prophet. And our salah on the Prophet is istimdad. We are taking from that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahul Mu'ti wa Anal Qasim. Allah is the giver and I distribute. How do we take the distribution, O Messenger of Allah, from you? Do we go and say, Can I have from what Allah gave you? We do it by acting upon His deen, number one, and by making salah and salam upon Him, number two. Because the Prophet ﷺ was very concerned and upset. Allah knew the reason he was upset. The reason he was concerned and upset, mahmoom. Mahmoom for what? Those who come after me. So the Sahaba, okay, they're here, we take care of them. But what of those who come after me? To relieve that hem that the Prophet had, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah ta'ala, the Messenger, Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam, said, will it not please you? Will it not, in other words, relieve your humum, your hem? That whoever makes salah and salam upon you, that Allah makes salah, whoever makes salah upon you one time, Allah makes salah upon him ten times. That means, make salah upon the Prophet one time, then you will receive ten of the imdad that Allah has given the Prophet. So, what is it? This is a creation of Allah Ta'ala, a mechanism by which those who come after the Prophet can take from the madad that Allah has given. The ata that Allah has given His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right, so that is basically, and it is said that the one who does a lot of salah on the Prophet sallallahu he has a share of the sakina and the happiness. Okay, and the waqar that the Sahaba had when they would sit with the Prophet sallallahu a share. We're not because it's never going to be equal. It can never be equal, right? But we have a you have a share of the, enough to fill your cup, basically. Right, that's actually the terminology that they use. To fill your cup, right? It's enough that it will make a person uh, uh, feel that sakina and waqar, and and it smoothens your personality too. Anyone who, who, who devotes themselves to salah and the Messenger sallam, knows this. Time check. It's three twenty-two. So unfortunately, I wish we could continue on. Uh, let's go with. Um, uh, Chief Latif says, how do we humble ourselves without putting ourselves down? Uh, number one, ambition and humility are two different things. Ambition is a good thing. Allah, ta- It's called high himma. But ambition for what? Fadlillah, the, ver- the, the good things Allah has for you in this world, and to do good, or to elevate your ego over other people. That's the ambition that we say is bad. right? To, 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 to harm, to do it through the haram, through abusing others, through hurting others. Okay? That's the ambition that we say is forbidden. And the ambition that is acceptable for us is the ambition that is high himma for the virtues that Allah has given us in this world. Right? To do good, to be a hafiz, to be this, that, and the other. Okay? Uh, and to, to enjoy from the ni'mah of Allah Ta'ala. So all of that is good. 
Uh, you humble yourself. Again, it's all by forcing yourself to follow the Sharia and then to follow the Sunnah and then to follow more Sunnah and Nawafid and virtues you f- and to forbid yourself from these things. Uh, that is the path of humility. It is a path that will eventually uh, humble you. will be humbled because you will fail. You will not always succeed. Okay? And that itself is, is, is humbling. Okay? Um, Let's go now to Dua An-Nur. Let's go there. And you could make out the whole screen so that we can only have this no signal uh, because sometimes our camera gets stubborn, unfortunately. And um, we can't see the screen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma jalli nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi qabri وَنُورًا فِي سَمْعِي وَنُورًا فِي بَصَرِي وَنُورًا فِي شَعْرِي وَنُورًا فِي بَشَرِي وَنُورًا فِي لَحْمِي وَنُورًا فِي دَمِي وَنُورًا فِي عِظَامِي وَنُورًا فِي عَصَبِي وَنُورًا مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيَّا وَنُورًا مِنْ خَلْفِي وَنُورًا عَنْ يَمِينِي وَنُورًا عَنْ شِمَالِي وَنُورًا مِنْ فَوْقِي وَنُورًا مِنْ تَحْتِي اللهم زدني نورا وأعطني نورا وجعل لي نورا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept and to bless this gathering and to make everyone who took part in it and everyone who supported and everyone who worked to make it happen. I ask Allah ta'ala to fill their hearts with guidance and let them be upon guidance and upon sa'ada happiness. From today until the day they meet their Lord upon that, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive all of our sins and to turn all of the sinners of our ummah who are penitent into people of guidance and thought and obedience. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who are seeking from his generosity that he be generous to them and those who are making dua that he answers their dua and those who are who have relatives passing away that Allah makes it easy upon them. And for those who are seeking education and knowledge, that Allah opens the path of knowledge for them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those seeking marriage, that Allah gives them marriage and grants them a spouse that they love in this life and the next. We ask Allah for those seeking kids, that He grants them children in this life and the next. Those seeking homes and, and abodes, that Allah ta'ala gives them a ma'wa, a place of refuge that they could take. We ask Allah ta'ala for all those who have a need that Allah fulfills it for them and makes it a barakah and a source of gratitude from their hearts and ta'a and obedience. And we ask Allah Ta'ala to let us live and die upon the sunnah of His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the masajid with ibadah, with dua, with humility, with khidmah to the ummah until the day that we meet Him and die upon that huda that pleases Him and His Messenger. Wallahu wa rasooluhu ahaqqu an yurdu in kanu mu'mineen. Wassallallahu wa barak ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Oh
Shiva.